It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Stop it. Here we go again. Well, no, you, you Here said, we you go again. And Sam Ostrowski. I hit myself in the face with a weight. Episode 18 of the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Dan, we finally got some stuff that we promised to the listeners for a while now, and it's coming up here on this episode, so stay tuned. That's right, you heard it. We have an interview finally. An interview with not a coach, not a scout, but a player. Our second player on the show. How's about that, huh? There you go. Yeah, first player we got was Paul DeYoung, which congratulations to him because he's seems, been killing it. He seems to be finding a pretty good place over there in St. Louis with the Cardinals. Sent him down briefly. For like a hot second. The Colt Long went on the 10-day DL. Up comes DeYoung. Starts hitting some more homers. He's got five right now already. So you know what that means. That means that the interview we have today, which we'll just not even keep it a secret anymore, seeing as it's coming up just within a few minutes, Gavin Sheets, that means that if the trend continues, perhaps, and we would still have to go a few more interviews, maybe we could get some kind of correlation starting where an interview with Sam and Dan on the Diamond in the Rough podcast equals success at the Major League Baseball level. But I think that studies <laughs> that have to go on for quite a little bit of time before we can find a correlation there. But hey... I'm just saying, so far we're batting a thousand. I'm I'm just gonna say this. I don't think you need the studies. I think we're already there. I okay. think I think Gavin Sheets, who was the second round pick of the Chicago White Sox, 49th overall out of Wake Forest, where he absolutely smashed the ball, by the way, 21 home runs in his junior season this year, and it was definitely the heart of that lineup and the reason they went as far as they did. And also a first team all uh ACC. And just an incredible player that the White Sox nagged in the second round. Potentially could have been a late first rounder, but managed to fall into the second round. The Sox have already signed him, so he's already ready to go. And you get to hear all about the process he's been through. His favorite foods. What it was like growing up with his dad, Larry Sheets, who was a pro baseball player himself for 10 seasons. I mean, can you imagine as a kid growing up watching your dad play in Baltimore? And also, by the way... Cal Ripken Jr., who was drafted the round after his dad. And playing in Camden Yards, just a beautiful stadium, at least from what I could see on TV and what I've heard from friends because, well, I've never been to Camden Yards, but hopefully one day we'll be there. And, you know, we could go in and on and on and on about the numbers and how good the interview is, but, hey, we have the interview for you. So just sit tight, relax, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the interview just as much as we did with the White Sox second round pick in the 2017 MLB draft, Gavin Sheets. Joined here by Gavin Sheets, the second round pick of the Chicago White Sox in the most recent 2017 MLB draft. So first and foremost, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be a part of this. Of course, absolutely. So, one, congratulations on being drafted. I know it's a big time for you. You must be extremely busy. So, if we can, we just want to know, what's the process been like after being drafted or as you got drafted? How's it been for you? Well, it's been a crazy process, you know. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of excitement that went into it. But at the time, I had just lost um, in the Super Regional to Florida to get knocked out of the College World Series. Um, so, it was a kind of a bittersweet moment at the time. To get the, but I got the call right after the game was happened, and um, it was an extremely exciting feeling to be a part of the White Sox organization and for them to to give me a chance to to pursue my dream. 
Sounds interesting there. You got you talk about having a little bit of the lows with a little bit of the highs. First thing you know, you're playing baseball with the college boys. And, oh, hey, look at this. My my name just got called to play, play professional baseball. What was that experience like, particularly for somebody like you, where you're going in there and you want to stay so locked in, but then, oh, hey, you look at your calendar and the 2017 MLB draft's coming up. How do you stay locked in with your team down there and try to keep the draft, as crazy as it sounds, in the back of your head? Well, my advisor made that really easy, so he kind of handled all the the draft part of that. And obviously, I mean, obviously I knew it was there, and that was um, in my mind, no question. But you just have to stay focused and kind of look at the the big goal of reaching a national championship and and hoping that, you know, whatever you do on the field will take care of itself in terms of the draft. And and just have fun with your college teammates because you know that this is probably your last run at it with them. And and just kind of enjoy all of it. Enjoy the process of the draft and enjoy the process of being in the College World Series for the first time and, and since 1955 for, for Wake Forest. So um, it was just a, really exciting to be a part of all that at the same time and um, just had a blast with all of it. So who was the first person you heard from from the Chicago White Sox? I got a call from the scouting director, and I got to talk uh, Nick Hostetter, and I got to talk to him and – he kind of welcomed me to the, to the Chicago White Sox, and, and I couldn't have been any happier. Gavin, I'll say this. As somebody who loves baseball and all that, I can only imagine being drafted by any team, <laughs> obviously, is going to be a great feeling. But can you just let us know what it was like to be drafted by a team like the Chicago White Sox in a big city, great city, and not only that, a team that is in the midst of a rebuild, as there is no secret there. So what does that mean for you to be part of, of such a great organization, and also knowing that you're coming in and the organization in the midst of this gigantic rebuild, what does that mean for somebody like you, who is now one of their up-and-coming prospects as a part of this rebuild? Well, it's extremely exciting. I mean, I know the Chicago White Sox have a winning culture. They've had a winning pass. I mean, they have three World Series, and to be a part of something like that is, is special. And, um, you know, I've been, I've seen I've seen what they've done in the offseason. I mean, they have unbelievable prospects in the minor leagues right now with Mercado, Giolito, and and all those guys. So it's exciting to be in a, in a culture that, that wants to win and is doing all they can to, to get their prospects moving through the minor league system and, and hopefully bringing a World Series back to Chicago. Um, and then being in a big city like Chicago was the first time I've ever been there last week when I went down to sign. And just an amazing city, just a fun sports city. Um, so I couldn't be more excited to, to be a part of that. So you said you went down there last week, finally got to see Chicago. Well, first, was that your first time seeing Chicago? First time being in the city, yes. Did you get a picture with the bean? <laughs> I did not, but I went down to Michigan Avenue. And I walked on the lake and saw the uh, the big fountain right there in the middle of the city. Um, so it was just beautiful. Um, the, the city was amazing. I don't know if you're on a strict diet or not with training regiments or what have you. Any deep dish pizza? Oh, yeah, good question. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did not get any. Um, that, that killed me because I, I was on a tight schedule there, so I didn't get an opportunity to get any, but... Definitely the next time I get back there, I'm going to have to try that out. All right, well, we're going to make sure to have to hook you up somehow, man. This, this, we'll, we'll get some, yeah, we'll explore with you. We'll find it. Absolutely. I'd love, to, I'd love to get in on that. Yeah, we'll find your places and all that. So, Gavin, where are you now, and wh- what's the next step here? We know there's been some uh, some questions on where the Sox might start you, but uh, well, wh- what have they told you so far? So, I'm going to go to Arizona. I leave actually tomorrow. Um, so I go to Arizona for a couple of days. I think Berger and I on the, are on the same schedule. So we're going to go to Arizona, and then we're going to stay there for a couple of days. And I think on July 6th, the plan is that we're going to go and play for Kannapolis. 
Gavin, as somebody who has a sweet spot for summer league baseball, I broadcasted last season um, in Alaska for summer league ball. I see here, correct me if I'm wrong, two years in the Cal Ripken League before uh, playing for the creme de la creme in the Cape Cod League. Um, yes. So I see you're from Maryland. Was any reason to play in the Cal Ripken League for two years part of having that Baltimore connection? I know sometimes a lot of guys will go back to the same league. Sometimes they'll venture out to a different league. Uh, can you just right. talk about what that was like two years in Cal Ripken and then one year, as I mentioned, in the creme de la creme in the good old Cape Cod League? Yeah. Well, the, the Baltimore League was perfect. Um, so I played there out of my after senior year of high school, and then I played after my freshman year of college. And uh, it was perfect. It was right about 10 minutes from my house. Um, it's a great league. And then the second year that I was on it, my dad actually coached the team. So that just made it even better to be to play with him again and, and be a part of that. Um, and then obviously going to the Cape was an unbelievable experience. I mean, just the tradition there and, and the amount of players that are there. I mean, if you look in the draft this year, I think, you know, the first two rounds, there were 40, 40 or so guys taken from the Cape Cod League. So um, that was an awesome experience. So, Gavin, we're going to talk a little bit. I know you probably get this all the time. Of course, your dad was a great pro ball player. You got to grow grow up watching him play with all his teammates. Can, sure. we, can we ask you the typical question of what that was like as a kid, watching Cal Ripken, watching your dad, and the influences you got from it to play baseball? Right. Well, it, it was it was awesome. I mean, growing up around the big league park, and Camden Yards is only 15, away from my, 15 minutes away from my house, so obviously I was there all the time, and just hearing guys talk about my dad and being a part of that culture and, and kind of looking up to him growing up and, and trying to, you know, wanting to follow in the footsteps. Um, but he did a great job of never forcing me to play baseball. He always wanted to make sure that it's what I wanted to do and, and that I love playing it. He was never going to force me to play it or, or you know, make that um, what it was going to be. So he did a great job with that and just kind of being able to grow up with him. And he coached me in high school, coached me a little bit in um, travel league. So, he was along with me the whole way, um, the whole journey, so I couldn't be happier. Now, I read something, and I want you to confirm if this is true or not. You know, there's a lot of nonsense on the Internet, but did your dad tell you that you should play golf over baseball? He did. He did. We were coming back. I remember like it was yesterday. We were coming back from a tournament in uh, Virginia, and I think I was in eighth grade. I think I was 12 at the time, and I was playing up with 15-year-olds, and I was really, really struggling. And uh, he was the high school coach at Gilman. And so he was like, you know, he's like, don't think that you have to play baseball for me. He's like, if you, I was, I was better at golf at the time. And he's like, if you want to play golf, go right ahead. I'm not going to force you to, to do anything you don't want to do. And uh, looking back at it now, we still laugh about it all the time. But, yeah, it, it happened in the car. And I remember it was like it was yesterday. Well, it looks like we know where to find Gavin when he's off the baseball field. Gavin, you mentioned uh, growing up around that type of atmosphere and around Cal Ripken and whatnot, the culture of it. From your perspective, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Cal Ripken Jr. who played on a day-to-day basis. You just do not see that anymore. So from your perspective, growing up around that, how has the game of baseball changed to you? I mean, you look at it not only from a, pres- a position player perspective, but re- starting pitchers, relief pitchers. There's so many different pitchers used in the game nowadays. Position players, there's so many different lineup changes where it almost seems like back then it was more of a, hey, this is what the lineup is day in and day out. So just from your perspective, how has that culture changed and where do you even see the game going with stuff like that? Well, obviously it's changed a lot. Um, you know, I think that it comes in the part of that contracts have gotten bigger. So, you know, you don't want to you don't want to run your guys out there that are making contracts like John Carlos Stanton and guys like that. You don't want them to be out there every day and, and 
and get beat up and be out for a couple months. Um, so I think that's where it's changed the most in terms of the amount of money that are being put into players. But from my from my standpoint, the way I approach it, I want to be in there every day. Um, you know, it's if the coach tells me I'm not in on one on a certain day, then I'm okay with that. But I'm going to approach the game um, like I'm going to play every day and I'm going to be prepared to play every day and um, I'll let the coach handle all that. But um, I'm just excited to show up to the ballpark and have the chance to play. So let's take you to the past a little bit. A little bit of a blast here. In 2014, when out of high school, you were drafted by the Atlanta Braves in the 37th round. And I have a feeling I, I know the answer to this. But was it an easy decision to go play college ball over starting your career a little earlier? It was. It was. Um, we put a high number out there out of high school because, you know, the plan was I wanted to go to college. I wanted to play in the ACC and, and get a great education. And um, so it was a pretty easy decision to make out of high school. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't have changed any anything that I did um, going to Wake and, and being a part of the, the super regional team that we'd had this year was you, you can't change that. You can't you can't take that away. And, and um, you know, I don't think that going out of high school, I would have. I would have rather done that than, than miss that opportunity. So um, I'm, I'm very happy with the decision I made. And to be a White Sox now, I think it I think it all worked out. You know, Gavin, you look into your bio, and for a first baseman, it's like, hey, what else can you ask for? Left-handed power hitter, good defensively. But I want to bring up the power numbers in particular. How much with – it feels like people talk a lot about the three truths in baseball, the walk, the strikeout, or the long ball. And that's almost how the game continues to evolve – and sure. the fans love the home runs. So how much is it to you to be that ideal first baseman, some guy who's good defensively, left-handed, and can hit for power, hit the extra base hits? How much does the extra base hit go into planning for your game? Well, it's a huge part. I mean, when you look at a first ba- when you look at any first baseman in the league, you want that guy to be the production guy. You want that guy to have, you know, 30 home runs a year and, and 100 RBIs. That's, that's kind of what you look for in a first baseman. Um, and so obviously that's what – you know, when I train and when I hit, that's that's what I'm looking for. You know, I want I want to be productive at the plate, and and that was a step that I really tried to make this year for our team. Um, I knew that we had a guy that went first round last year, Will Craig, who batted fourth, and he was that guy for us last year. And this year, I knew that I had to to step into that role. Um, so to do that, and, and that was my main focus to drive in runs and, and hit some home runs, and but still not not strike out a lot. Um, so that was the big goal, and I think that's what you look for in a first baseman. So talking about the power, just be honest with us. This is the podcast, you know, so this is where all the honesty comes out. You know what I'm saying? So who is it? Just I know you've got one in mind. When you finally have your big day and you make it to the big leagues, who do you want to face and who do you just want to jack the biggest homer off of? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I, like, I think it would be a lot of fun if I had an opportunity to do that against the Orioles. Um, you know, growing up here and – and being a Baltimore guy, um, I think you know if I if I was able to hit my first home run off the Orioles, that would be that'd be a pretty cool feeling. Any specific pitchers? <sighs> I'd be okay with Gosman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would be a lot of fun um, to have to have that be the the first one. Um, that would be pretty special. Well, there's definitely an impressive bio on you. You look at the numbers and impressive all the way out. But I know when it comes to athletes, it's all about being a perfectionist. So when it comes to working on your game now in the White Sox organization, what's a few of the things that you're going to try to work on, whether that be offensively, defensively? And like I said, the numbers are great, but if you can't get any better, which department is that going to be in that you focus on the most? Sure, I think the biggest thing is adjusting. Um, I, every level you go to, you have to adjust. The pitching gets better. 
the game speeds up a little bit. So I think in the beginning, the biggest thing for me is going to be adjusting to professional baseball. Um, I, you know, I, mechanically, I feel good right now, but I'm sure that, you know, they'll see some stuff that I haven't been told, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I think the biggest thing for me to get acclimated to the game is is speeding up, the, getting used to this to pace of play and and the uh, the different level of the different level of players. Of course, you're going to listen to the front office and the management on how they want to bring you up and what they want you to do. But have you set any goals or any time table? Excuse me, timetables in your own mind about when you want to make it happen and when you want to finally wear the the black and silver. <laughs> you know that's that's tough. Um, obviously, it goes with with how I play and, and how the organization wants to move me up. So I haven't given that too much thought. I'm gonna. The only thing I can do is go out there and and play the best of my ability and, and hopefully get moved up as soon as possible. Um, you know, obviously that's their call and and whatever they want to do, I'm okay with. I'm just going to go out, and whether it's single A or, or the big leagues, I'm going to approach it the same way. Well, Gavin, we talked a little bit about baseball. I want to switch the topic just a little bit. You mentioned how you just had your first visit to Chicago not too long ago. Somebody like me, I haven't been to Baltimore yet. We'll love to travel out over on the East Coast. So if I made my way to Baltimore, what would be the best place to grab a bite to eat? Where would I be 100% satisfied where I could walk in and I could say, hey, Gavin sent me, give me this plate, and I'll be, I'll walk out a happy man? Oh, man. Oh. Ooh, that's tough. So if you're going to go downtown, where we always go downtown is um, it's right on the harbor. But it is, they have a lot of places, the Cheesecake Factory. I mean, they have a right. It's, there's one right on the water. And then you look out and you see the National Harbor. You see Camden Yards. You see M&T Bank Stadium for the Ravens. Um, that's where we love to go. I, I've never had a bad meal there. Um, but you also have to go and get a Maryland crab cake. Okay. I think that's the biggest. that's the biggest thing you have to do when you get into Baltimore. Um, and there's a lot of really good places that you can get one, but you have to get a Maryland crab cake. All right, so let's talk about the lower ends of foods. We hear about the high ends, the crab cakes, the deliciousness, and we know all about that. But, Gavin, when it comes to fast food, where are you going these days? What's, what's your number one? Give us your number one. Oh, you got to go to Chick-fil-A. What do you get? Uh, you got to get the nuggets. I think the 12-piece nuggets is, is the way to go. Please uh, tell me they're fried and not, you know, not, not that grilled stuff. No, no, not yeah, the girls. If you're gonna go fast food, you can't cheat yourself. You can't cheat the system. So if you're gonna go, you gotta, get, you gotta get the twelve piece nuggets, and, and you gotta, you gotta do it right. Hey, that, that that's pretty good logic there. We touched on this a little earlier, but not necessarily specifically. Your favorite childhood memory at the ballpark? It doesn't even have to be at Camden Yards. It could just be any baseball, any any ballpark around the land. But what's your favorite childhood memory? I think I speak for a lot of kids when I say the first home run over a fence. Um, you know, that's that's a memory you don't ever forget. And to, when you hit that first ball that goes over the fence and you see it clear the fence and the, the excitement that's there and your parents are excited, your teammates are excited, I don't think I don't think there's many feelings that beat the first one. Now, again, I'm going to be a little vague about this, but um, are you the best baseball player in the family? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not yet. Not yet, not, not yet. yet. All right, that's fair, not that's yet. fair. Hopefully, hopefully in 20 years I can have a different answer, but uh, right now I can I can pretty easily say not yet. Do you guys ever go back and forth on kind of, you know, hey, I can't wait to, you know, uh, oh, pretty much uh, be better than you, surpass, <laughs> you know, surpass everything you've ever done type of deal? Absolutely, and then he'll <laughs> say, you know, I'll do, something, I'll do something good in a college game or something, and, 
and he'll remind me of something he did. And so there's always that back and forth that goes on, and and it's it's a fun competition. But um, right now, he's definitely got me. He's got the one up on me. All right, we got just a couple more for you, Gavin. Sam touched on it earlier. Obviously, with your dad being a former baseball player, you get asked about that stuff all the time. But I want to get just a tad more specific. If you could just give me the best piece of baseball advice that your father has ever ever given you, whether it be something small or not, what is the best piece of advice you ever got from a baseball standpoint from Pops? Just be yourself. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys will, will play the game and they'll try to be – either the player or someone that they're not. And I think that the biggest thing is no matter what guys are doing around you, no matter what, how you're playing or what you're doing, just to be yourself, trust the, trust the work that you've done and don't try to be a different player. Cause you know, at this point it's, it's, it's the stuff that you've done up to this point that's gotten you here. So don't try to change it now and don't try to be, don't try to be someone you're not. So if you just stay confident in yourself and, and believe in what you can do, then, then you're going to go a long way. So I think that's the most important thing he's ever told me. Well, that's some great advice right there, and one we'll give to all the listeners who maybe maybe they're still trying to get their dreams out there. So, Gavin, we really, really do appreciate you taking the time. We hope you get some Chicago pizza in the near future, even though, <laughs> we, yeah, we know you're going to be all over the place, but hopefully, you know, you get, get some of that good shit soon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> all right, Gavin, well, we wish you nothing but the best of luck. Go kick ass with the White Sox. We cannot wait to watch you play in our very own backyard over here in Chicago. And hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. Awesome. I hope to hear from you guys soon as well. And thank you for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Of course. Absolutely. Good luck, Gavin. Thanks, Gavin. All right. Thanks, guys. Gavin Sheets, second round pick of the Chicago White Sox in the 2017 Major League Baseball Draft. Love having him on. Thank you to him taking time out of his busy, busy day. He's trying to look for a minor league team to play for. He'll be down in Arizona with Jake Berger, the White Sox first round selection. Very soon, he says they're going to be arriving around the same time, doing a similar timetable arrival to Arizona. Got to chat a lot with Mr. Sheets and well, it was fun. Good oh. good personality. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Like you said, super exciting to have him on. Uh, between him and Jake Berger, the Sox got two great power hitters. They went power round one and round two, but I'm okay with that because they they nag guys who, yeah, they're power hitters, but they are contact hitters first, if that makes any sense, because they come up to the plate looking for a ball to hit. They're not necessarily looking for the home run every time. They're more so looking for the gap hits, the doubles, the triples if they can, but they're just so damn powerful that they tend to hit those ones out of the ballpark as well. So like you said, it was super exciting to have them on. Dan, was there anything that really, I think we asked this about the Paul DeYoung interview too, there's always this something that sticks out to you about a guy when you first talk to them. What stuck out to you about Sheets? He seems very comfortable with the position that he is in. And I don't know if that's because he grew up around... You know, a father who played Major League Baseball, he grew up, you know, close enough around the clubhouse and whatnot and got to see guys like Cal Ripken play and carry themselves as professionals on and off the field. But he just seemed extremely comfortable with where he was at in his baseball life, what the next steps were going to be, very knowledgeable about the White Sox organization, which is not a shocker there. Obviously, he's probably stoked 
uh, to be part of this team who's in the midst of this rebuild and there's tons of young talent in their organization. But even when you ask him about what are some things you you plan on working on, uh, how did you go about playing in the College World Series and knowing your number was going to be called sooner or later, you know, there's guys out there who know how to answer the question. They know how to be professional about answering questions. But not only was he professional in his answers, but he seemed very comfortable within his own skin while answering these questions. And I think it says a lot about somebody like that um, who's drafted, like you said, second round. Could have been a late first round pick. He's definitely got the potential. He's got the numbers to show for it. All he has to do is put it together in the minors. And if he keeps... That kind of head-on, which I don't know why he wouldn't, but he's got the talent. It seems like he's got the good head on his shoulders, knowledgeable about the game of baseball, witnessed and knows very much. We talked a little bit about how the game has changed. So seems like a smart baseball guy and very comfortable with where he's at now. He seems like a very mature 21-year-old. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he did go play college ball at Wake Forest. I think he said it, you know, you heard him say it right here, that that was the best decision he's ever made. And I think he really, truly does mean that because, you know, when you're drafted out of high school, it's such an exciting moment that some guys just say, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go get it. But he made the decision, said, no, I'm going to go raise my stock. And that he did. Took him a few years at Wake Forest to get it together. He was always a great player there, but increasingly got better and better. So that's really what I got out of it is the fact that this is a mature guy coming in. And also, I also got this vibe from him. He is totally a team guy first, which, of course, for any team, that's what they're looking for. But he seems to be the guy who's looking to make himself better for the team. Of course, he, as an individual, he wants to get better, but he just seems like he wants to win. Even when he was talking about the College World Series, Ronnie, um, of course, that was such a, a disappointing end for them when, um, when they took the loss to Florida. But he, you know, it really seems like you know, that kind of bummed him out, but he's ready for the next one. He's ready to go out there and win some more. Yeah, we mentioned that you get automatic or immediate lows with immediate highs. Your team's bumped out of the College World Series. And, oh, look at this. Uh, soon enough, you're drafted by the Chicago White Sox. And, yeah, it seems like, you know, the kind of guy you want on your roster, the kind of guy sitting next to you in the dugout, very professional, gave the right answers and even showed a little personality, had a lot of fun. We tried getting, you know, if I were to take a trip down to Baltimore, where am I going to go eat? And he knew <laughs> he knew some pretty good spots. He was mentioning crab cakes. Got to get the crab cakes. Gotta get the, well, not only that, but I liked how he routed us to the scenic view. Get to see some Camden Yards and you know, get, get, get to see the view of the city a little bit. So he knows how to be personal, good personality, knows how to be professional. And who knows, perhaps the White Sox got uh, something really, really good brewing with that left-handed power-hitting first baseman uh, down there in their organization. Well, let's hope he gets as comfortable with Chicago as he does with Baltimore. That was his first trip here last week, he said, when he, of course, signed the papers to ink him to a deal to stay with the Chicago White Sox after being drafted, even though he technically could have went one more year at Wake Forest. But you know what? After hitting uh, 21 home runs and being one of the best in the conference, I don't blame him on finally saying, you know what, I'm ready. Well, the top guys usually do go out of that junior season. It's it's usually, the juniors yeah. that you do look for, and you sign them, and I made the right choice in my opinion. I mean, yeah. now he's playing, playing for a good organization and wish him nothing but the best. It was a solid interview, as we said in the beginning of this show. Hope the listeners enjoyed it just as much as we did. Now, he didn't put a timetable on his career. Of course, you know, you expect him to say that. You expect him to let the front office make those decisions and the management to help him along the way to get himself there. But in your opinion, in my opinion, of course, we're going to have our thoughts on what he is. I think you would probably see Gavin Sheets 
in a White Sox uniform in, I would say, two or three seasons. That would be my guess. Two is, a, of course, that's early, but he's already 21 years old. He's more mature than most hitters out there, being able to come in from Wake Forest, so... I could definitely see the White Sox giving him his first chance in about two seasons. I, yeah, I, I hate timetables. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know, and I, I think it's unfair to him to put a timetable. I mean, even if you – can he make it in two months? Can he make it in two years? Uh, who knows? I mean, sure, he's got he's got the potential, and we'll see what happens with him. It's not only how he performs, but it's also how the rest of the team performs. And we're talking about the, the Chicago White Sox and what kind of moves they still want to make, who they want to keep around. And there's still a lot of juggling to, to happen there. And trade deadline, who knows, it's going to come before you know it um, sooner or later here in the MLB. So you're, we're going to get a little more answers. But with years and years to go, at least a couple years to go, before this whole rebuild is finally complete, there's still a lot more pieces to move a lot more young guys to bring up see how they go throughout the system what i will say is the only way that sheets could be on a good enough timetable and good enough track is if he takes it the way he said he was going to take it which is the way you have to look at it and the way you would imagine a lot of other professional players now would would answer the same question which was it's got to take it day by day don't be try. Don't try to be anything different. Be the ball player that you are, and it must be hard to um, to know that you're playing in this organization with a lot of up and coming prospects, a lot of good talent down there, and the fans up in Chicago are just waiting to see these guys shine. So you know, sooner or later, that part of this rebuild is going to be those guys who are currently in Triple A, Double A, even Single A, guys like Zach Collins and Lucas Giolito and Moncada, but. Just stay true to yourself and wait out the process, then I think that's how you'll get the quickest ticket up to Chicago. No, that's very true. The competition level right now for the farm system in with the Chicago White Sox right now is at an all-time high. And so Gavin is going to have some tough competition on his way up. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we'll see. You know, we got Jake Berger. I'm sure they're planning on keeping him at the hot corner. You got Zach Collins, of course, you mentioned, who ideally is a catcher, but you might see him at first base a little bit. And then, of course, we know the guy who's up there right now with the White Sox holding down first base and Jose Abreu. And I got to imagine the White Sox are looking to keep him around and hopefully can be one of the mentors for young Sheets over there. So time will tell. We'll see. But we wish him nothing but a healthy and lucky career, we'll call it. Or not even lucky, a hard-working career is what we'll say. Uh, we know we know he'll go up and he'll do some great things for the White Sox. But we thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview. We have more to come from where that came from. Uh, exciting stuff coming on the podcast honestly a lot of fun interviews uh, a lot of good guys coming on to talk baseball to talk life to talk about crab cakes and baltimore and taco bell and what no he said chick-fil-a taco bell's my Chick-fil-A. favorite i didn't ask him if he uses the chick-fil-a sauce but he's an all-or-nothing fast food guy so i'm pretty sure if he's not doing the chick-fil-a sauce he's at least throwing barbecue or something in there i'm sure glad he said fried i you know i got nervous he's a healthy guy of course he's a pro athlete and I was like, you know, maybe he's going for those grilled nuggets. Well, that's how you know there. he's smart. It was great he is logic. Smart. If you're going to go fast food, then it's all or nothing. You don't meet it halfway. You can't. You have to eat Which is why I always get bacon on my burger if I do fast food. Just It's all or nothing. Bacon and blue cheese, black and blue. Yes. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Well, you're learning more about our food love over here. That's why, that's why we like to ask these guys every time they come on what they're eating. But anyways, we appreciate you listening. Stay tuned for more to come, more interviews, more episodes of the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Just type in Diamond in the Rough podcast. You'll see us with our logo over there and Dan and I's beautiful faces. You can follow him on Twitter at TweetDanCollins or you can follow me 
at Ostrowski Sam, or you could follow the show at Diamond Podcast. But most importantly, we want you to email us. Email us your questions about Gavin Sheets. Email us your questions about the White Sox. Email us your questions about anything. We don't care. We want to hear from you. Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you to listening to this interview with Gavin Sheets, the second round pick of the Chicago White Sox. And stay tuned. Episode 19, episode 20 coming at you quick.